Hey y'all, this is May. Now I want to welcome you to season three of Crimes of a Decade, a Texas true crime podcast. This season, I'll be discussing murders from the year 1930 through 1939. This season, however, will be a little different as I will only be detailing one murder from each year instead of the normal two, one male, one female formula. Today's story is of a natural murderer, Mother Nature, from 1930. So grab you some Whataburger and open that Dr. Pepper. Let's go back in time to Texas true crime. In 1930, the cartoon character Betty Boop made her debut in Dizzy Dishes. That same year, Pluto was discovered by astronomer Clyde W. Tombaugh at the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. It was originally thought to be the ninth planet of the solar system, but in 2006, the International Astronomical Union downgraded Pluto from a planet to a dwarf planet. Another thing that happened in 1930 was a rumor that a tragic accident was really a murder. Please join me in walking down Erie Lane. The Battle of San Jacinto was on April 21, 1836, during Texas's War for Independence from Mexico. Under Sam Houston's leadership, the Texas militia launched a surprise attack against the forces of Mexican General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana, near what is now Houston, Texas. The Mexicans were thoroughly routed, and hundreds were taken prisoner, including Santa Ana. In exchange for his freedom, Santa Ana signed a treaty recognizing Texas independence. This is where the San Jacinto River got its name. It has two forks, known as the East and West Forks. The West Fork feeds Lake Conroe and flows south through Montgomery County and meets up with the East Fork in Northeast Harris County to form Lake Houston. The East Fork begins in Walker County, north of the Sam Houston National Forest, and flows south through Cleveland in Liberty County, Montgomery County, and into the north end of Lake Houston. Continuing southward, the river merges with Buffalo Bayou before the mouth at Galveston Bay. This river became the scene of what was thought to be a murder scene on May 31, 1930. Six men were in a motorboat and were on their way to one of their homes to make preparations for a fishing trip. But when they reached a point about 50 yards north of the bridge on Market Street, the boat began filling rapidly with water and sank before they could steer it ashore. It seemed the water hose had come loose in the engine's cooling system, and that caused water to pour into the boat. All the men were struggling to get to shore, but only three were able to make it. The other three men had drowned. 
The three survivors said they were unable to save their companions as it was too dark for them to see. The three men who drowned were Joe Scott, 35, Albert Miller, 26, and Peter McGee, 49. Those who survived were W.P. Cunningham, 35, Nick Gress, 24, and Robert Malley, 24. Not many could hear this tragedy and think it could get worse. But only a few days later, 18-year-old Avis Larry and 19-year-old Amy Proctor made that happen. The woman met up with a police officer friend, H. Sierra, at a street carnival on the evening of April 2nd. After they hung out at the carnival for a while, he ended up taking them home. And when they drove up to the house, one of the survivors, Mally, came out and wanted to know why they were with the law. Avis told him the policeman was an old friend. Mally walked away as Avis turned to Officer Sierra and explained that Amy told her that she thought the men were killed because she heard Cunningham say that if any bruises were found on the bodies, it would mean serious trouble for them. Amy then said that Cunningham told her that Pete stood up in the rear of the boat and it turned over. This brief mention of the drownings piqued the policeman's curiosity, and he asked them to go with him to headquarters and make statements. Here were the statements made in the all-night interview. According to Avis Larry, I had known Mally for about three years. Robert Mally came to my house Tuesday and left a girl named Amy Proctor with me saying the girl's sweetheart had drowned, and he didn't want her staying out on the river where he had found her. He said to not let Amy talk to anyone about the drowning. Mr. Malley came back again Wednesday and said he was going back to the river. Amy wanted to go too, and he gave her bus fare to the river. We both went back, Amy and I and found a large crowd at the bridge. Mally again said to keep Amy from talking to anyone. And a man named Jack Miller said there had been some whiskey making in the vicinity, and if the girl talked, it would cause trouble. Mally said to Amy Proctor that the less she said about the affair, the better off she would be. Cunningham chimed in saying, Well, if there are any bruises on them, the bodies, they'll get us. The events according to Amy Proctor. She had been living for two or three days with Albert Miller and his father in their house on the San Jacinto River. About 4 p.m. Monday, Pete came to the house and asked for Albert. But he was away at the time hunting rabbits with Bill Scott and Nick Gress. Pretty soon, Albert came back and he and Pete talked a long time by themselves. While they were talking, Albert's father and I watched a pig swim across the river. When Albert came up to Miller and I pretty soon and said, I found something out. I've been wanting to know for a long time. Nick is trying to undermine me. Just at that moment, Cunningham and Robert Malley called 
about 8 p.m. Albert said goodbye to us, saying he had to go up the river on business and would be back in about an hour. Pete asked if he could go too, and Albert said yes, if you want to. So about 8 p.m., the six men left the house. I didn't see any of them until 1 a.m., when Gress called from across the river for a skiff. Miller and I rode over and got Gress and two other men. He said Albert, Pete, and Joe had drowned when the water hose connection in the boat came loose and the boat sank. We all went back immediately and started looking for the bodies. I know that Albert and Joe were both good swimmers. After we had looked for the bodies, Nick said the best thing to do was not talk to any laws or make any statements about it to anybody. I had heard that Cunningham was operating a still across an island on the other side of the river from where I stayed with the Millers. After the two women's police interviews finished, charges were filed against the three men. Assistant District Attorney Leland Cox made a statement claiming the women made statements tending to show foul play and that they admitted being present before and after the men were drowned, indicating suspicious circumstances. A group of officers left on the morning of April 3rd for the neighborhood where the three resided with warrants for their arrest. Another group of officers made their way to Goose Creek, the nearest town to the scene of the drownings, to examine the body of Albert Miller, who is the last of the three bodies to be found. All three men were arrested and then led out on bonds of $1,000 each. But all charges were dropped the next day after the Justice of the Peace, Flowers, denied any indication of violence was apparent on the three bodies and Sergeant George Payton made a public statement declaring the murder charges to be without foundation. Mother Nature strikes again and again at San Jacinto River over the years. Here's a list of just some of the many drownings to happen there. April 1955, Walden Litzer, 16, was picnicking with a Sunday school class when he lost his grip while moving across the lake, holding onto a cable that stretched from bank to bank, and drowned. June 1955, Bill Horgan, 25, drowned when swimming from one side of the lake to the other. July 1955, Vance Edwin Motus, 41, and a friend were in his 14-foot boat when it was capsized by a passing yacht. He and his friend began swimming toward shore. He drowned before he could make it to land. June 1960, a Pasadena man, 36, drowned when he and his brother's boat capsized. His brother barely escaped drowning. September 1962, the body of Henry Hugh Goodman, 54, was recovered floating in the river by a fisherman. August 1964, T.C. Gaston, 20, 
was crabbing in the river when he stepped into a hole and went out of sight. Two friends were with him and tried to get him out, but were unable to find him. July 1965, Elizabeth Terran, 8, was crabbing with her sister, father, and uncle. Her father had gone back to their car and the uncle was about 100 yards from the girls when Elizabeth stepped into deep water. Her sister started screaming, but the uncle could not locate her in the muddy water. Her body was found about 40 minutes later. July 1966, Dale Hutchins, 31, was attempting to swim across the river and back when he shouted and went under. His body was found in water 20 feet deep. May 1967, Annette Crocker, 9, drowned while playing in the river. That same month, Thomas Edison Alford, 42, was fishing with a friend when their boat got a leak and was swamped by heavy rainwater. The boat flipped. His friend heard Thomas calling for help, but could not see him. His friend was able to make it to shore. July 1971. Edward Walter Carter, 42, drowned about 30 feet from the bank where he was waiting to show members of his family that the water was not deep when he suddenly stepped into a hole and disappeared. September 1971. Leon Johnson, 25, was goofing off with a friend when he just went underwater. Louis Stethens, 40, drowned an hour later when he stepped into a pothole as he attempted to rescue his niece, who had gone under while waiting. May 1973, William Albert Johnson, 25, drowned when attempting to swim across the river. September 1987, Tommy James Matthews, 32, was fishing with three friends when their boat capsized. He had attempted to start the engine when the boat lurched, causing it to flip over and all four men fell in the water. The others were able to hold on to the boat until being rescued. But Tommy disappeared under the water. July 2005. Yaritza Gonzalez, 9, drowned while swimming in the San Jacinto River. June 2018. A 12-year-old girl drowned when attempting to save her mother, who was also drowning. The 12-year-old dropped into a hole, disappeared, and never came up. One guy tried to save her, but was unable to release her from the hole. Another boater managed to pull one of the girls to safety, but the other 12-year-old never came up. The mother managed to safely get out of the river. July 2018 Deputy said a 19-year-old man from Guatemala was dead after it appeared he was pulled underwater by a swift current in the San Jacinto River. June 2020, Gilberto Martinez, 18, from El Salvador, drowned while trying to swim from one bank to the other, but started to struggle three-fourths of the way. His family said he started yelling for help around 10 a.m., but the currents were too strong for anyone to get near the teen. 
His uncle even borrowed a stranger's kayak, but was not able to reach him. According to an article from 1974 that was published to warn people of the dangers of swimming in the San Jacinto River and how over 100 drownings had taken place over the last few years, it detailed the rules of safety people should follow if they choose to go swimming in the San Jacinto River. The three major causes of drowning, according to this article, were failure to recognize hazardous conditions or practices, an inability to get out of dangerous situations, and a lack of knowledge of safe ways in which to aid persons requiring assistance in the water. In the 2018 article that detailed the 12-year-old who drowned attempting to save her mother, Captain Don Stanton of the Harris County Sheriff's Marine Unit explain the danger that has always surrounded the bend of the San Jacinto in East Harris County that has increased since Hurricane Harvey in 2017. He spoke about how some sections of beach have disappeared, while others expanded, because of all the sand pushed downstream during the flood. The force of the water carved new drop-offs in the river bottom, also known as potholes. Continuing, he explained, Where the little girl was found today, before the storm, the beach was about 40 yards wide. Now, it's about 140 yards wide. You used to be able to walk out a ways. Now you walk out a couple of feet, and you go in about 11 or 12 feet of water. It's like that now, all the way from the Lake Houston Dam downstream. Stanton ended the interview by saying, It's a warning to anyone who swims in the river to wear a life vest, as I've never seen a drowning victim who was wearing one. I will end with a quote by one of Max Brooks' characters from the book World War Z. Mother Nature is a serial killer. No one's better, more creative, like all serial killers. She can't help but the urge to get caught. What good are all those brilliant crimes if nobody takes the credit? So she leaves crumbs. Now the hard part is, and why you spend decades in school, is seeing the crumbs for the clues they are. Sometimes, the things you thought to be the most brutal aspects of the virus actually turns out to be the chink in its armor. She loves disguising her weaknesses as strengths. She's a witch. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Crimes of a Decade, a Texas true crime podcast. Next week, I'll be detailing a case from the year 1931. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to hit the subscribe button. I would also love for you to rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcast. 
as it really does help out. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me at crimesofadecade at gmail.com.